Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkart. It's the Solar Coaster, episode number 60, Solar... what, 64? Is that where 60, we're at, Jay? 64, 64, what is that? I don't, it's it's got to be an important number. It's a computer number, for sure. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> episode 64, got here somehow, not sure quite how, but uh, yeah, here we go. And today's show is something we've been meaning to do, or we've kind of touched on for, you know, all throughout the last year and a half. We're going to be talking about solar batteries, but, you know, just really, what is... How is this stuff relevant? Who is it relevant to? What's it cost? How do I get one? Uh, what are the differences? Uh, you just sure. have a, I mean, that, a really those, robust those... conversation on these darn batteries. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the question we get asked more often than anything else is, do I want one? <laughs> do I need one? Is it, I think it's more, more always always phrased, do I need Should one? Should I get one? And so today we're, 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 we're kind of going to answer that for you, yeah. is are you a battery person or not? Let's find out. Yeah, and oftentimes in this show we get a caller, we get someone in from the industry, we might get, we've had other battery people on in the past. We've had Sony Battery, we've had Blue Ion, we've had LG Chem, uh, we've had uh, you know a handful of different, uh, Tabuchi, we've had a handful of different battery manufacturers on in the past, uh, but today we've got some soldiers from the front line of the, I'm going to use your 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 phrase, uh, the Solar Wars part deuce, yes. <laughs> right? Do, uh, uh, yeah, we have uh, Anthony, uh, Brayton Anthony here. Welcome. Yes. You've been on the show many times Hello. before. Ha, a- AKA Solar Anthony. Yes. Solar Anthony, Solar right? Anthony, yes, I. And we have uh, <laughs> a lot of experience in Big Island as well as Maui now for the last darn near year. You're getting close up to that yeah, year, right? Yeah, yep. And so uh, been in the in the solar business for quite a while here. We yep. have Neil Martin as well. Hello. Um, yeah, say hi, Neil. How's everyone doing? Yeah, good to have you here, man. Thanks so much. These guys are real troopers. I'll tell you what, I call them up like an hour ago, like, hey, you guys want to do a show? They're like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're here. I'm like, I didn't know where they were in Maui. They yeah. just showed up in like 40 minutes. Historical <laughs> show 64. That's yeah. What, yeah. You're like, oh, Chemist 64. <laughs> that's it. Chemist 64. There you go. So we got some, so, you know, from a perspective from a perspective of people are, like ourselves that are out there on the front lines here in Maui, discussing, explaining, presenting, selling these systems, uh, we know we have a lot to share here. So we've got some great content from online uh, that we're going to walk through. we got some uh, research that Jay did, and we're going to try to dial it in and get a little closer to what this solar battery thing is all about. Okay, what do you say, guys? Ready to go? Yeah, that works. All right, let's jump into our housekeeping, right? All right, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. in Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. out here in Wailuku. We also have some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. we got a website. I was thinking it's about time to refresh that website. What do you say, Jay? (laughs) All right, let's take some more pictures. Actually, uh, we're going to be heading out to New England. This is a little little sneak preview. We're going to be heading out to New England to uh, Cuddyhunk Island, uh, which is a small 40-person in the wintertime, 400-person uh, resident in the summertime, kind of kind of independent power grid, and talking to the folks over there. Uh, so we'll definitely get some pictures and video and stuff, throw that up on the website. The website is www.solar-coaster.com. Uh, that's solar dash, the hyphen, little, little one line, coaster.com. Uh, you can listen live if you're out of our broadcast area. You can listen to all our old shows if you go to the podcast link there. And scroll down to the bottom, you can get on the mailing list. Let us tell you what we are doing and where we're doing it, uh, but also submit your questions right there. And this is where the battery questions usually come from that we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, you know, this, the Solar Coaster is sponsored by a great group of companies, uh, Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonen Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. You know, and I was thinking about this, Jay, uh, these companies are all doing really kind of cutting edge business, you know, in part with Maui Solar Project out here right now. Pika Energy is doing some amazing stuff. One of the largest, I think the largest install for Pika in Hawaii is about to go in in the next couple of months in uh, Wailea. Uh, Four of those 7,600 stacked up on a a single property, um, which is pretty exciting. Pika Energy is a really cutting edge technology. Also Sundrum. Sundrum is going into a couple of projects as well. So, you know, if you're a company out there somewhere in the mainland, you got this great technology you want to get into the Maui marketplace, you want to support a great show that likes to talk about new tech, you know, consider coming on a sponsor. <laughs> Be a part yeah, of the family. <laughs> right? That, that, Sundrum, that Sundrum thing was fantastic. You know, we, we, drive, we went down to Maui Brew a couple shows back, and uh, they, I mean, it's going to save them a ton. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> it's going to save them. It's going to save them a lot of money. It's really, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. What, uh, what's going on with the podcast? <laughs> So podcasts, uh, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, just search for Solar Coaster. Uh, our little yellow logo pops right up, and you can take us with you wherever you go. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so shall we jump right into our news and events, Jay? 
news and events is really important this week. We've got a ton going on. Um, first thing, world news, vast solar power plant gets significant investment, it's significant in quotes, from China's Silk Road Fund. So that was interesting, and they're doing this major megawatt. Uh, actually, they should, they really should move it to the gigawatt scale because they start megs, talking about 1,000 right? megawatts and then 5,000 megawatts by 2030. Uh, I think this is the same project that we were talking about previously, that they were they were just running rolling out a huge amount of solar. It is concentrated solar, which is the um, the central tower kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You see all the, all the panels, all the mirrors are arrayed, arrayed like a flower around that, focusing the sun's energy on one central point. Uh, it actually becomes really, really hot, really, really dangerous, really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but it, when managed properly, it's, it's phenomenally uh, good at generation. Um, so the Silk Road Fund, who are they? I mean, I, I had to go and look it up. I honestly didn't know. Um, but it's a, a state-owned fund out of China. It was jump-started uh, to the tune of $40 billion from the Chinese government in 2014 and is supervised by the People's Bank of China. So it's a state-run organization. Uh, they do have other holdings, uh, significant investments. Uh, they built the, the Mombasa-Nairobi uh, Standard Gauge Railway, or are still in the process of building that. Uh, they have one point seven. Six five billion into a Pakistani hydropower plant, so they are in energy. It seems, it seems like they're very much an infrastructure investment group. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, nine point nine percent of a Yamali um, liquefied natural gas project. Uh, Co-invested in clean coal power plants in Dubai, so du this is not their first touch with Dubai either. And uh, nine point nine percent of a large energy conglomerate in Russia. So they're very much a utility and infrastructure investment group, uh, but it is owned and kind of operated by the Chinese government. Right. And so kind, kind, of in, kind of interesting. Yeah, and why is this kind of news? Well, this 700-megawatt uh, facility in Dubai, which is part of the Water Authority, it looks like it says here, this is the fourth phase of the Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, I think I said that okay, solar park, which is the biggest single-site solar park on the planet. Right, so this is a, a big one, right? In terms of, I guess, what's uh, what's in existence at the moment. Of course, there are things spec that may be a little bit larger. Um, Two point four yeah. million tons of carbon dioxide per year to be saved, and they're going to scale it up to one gigawatt, one thousand megawatts by twenty twenty, and five gigawatts, five thousand megawatts by twenty thirty. So some pretty serious uh, stuff here. Yeah, and it's not it's not all concentrated solar. I mean, if it was if it really was, it would just be be like phenomenally dangerous but it's there's a lot of pv standard like regular pv going in um but it's it's unbelievable so by by the time they're up to the, that five gigawatt number they'll be offsetting more than 6.5 million tons of co2 imagine per. imagine if back in the 70s jay you came up to some hippie in northern california growing marijuana with with uh with like a little 50 watt cell <laughs> and said you know what we're gonna have you know in let's, 20 let's invest in this in 2020 there's gonna be a gigawatt system in saudi arabia of all places uh you know offsetting x amount of tons of millions of tons of energy he'd be like all right buddy whatever you know? <laughs> i mean it's yeah, just remarkable I, I, got, I got i got i got something else for you to smoke right, <laughs> right? Yeah. oh my goodness awesome okay so let's jump over to electric bus thing is, it, is that the next one jay uh yeah let's talk about the buses so utility dive has an article actually came from smart cities dive so they have they have this little network um smart cities is actually really fun because it's it's talking a lot about just how do you lay out and manage um our our new kind of existence <laughs> in in highly populated areas nice. uh but the batter but the bus battery conversation has been going on for a while we have an electric bus on island yes there yeah there's one here that's a pilot project as yep. i understand it and it's it? yep. it's yep. boogieing around maui as we speak i haven't seen it yet but i okay. heard it is i think i did see it okay i think i did yeah you, you'll you'll never hear it it's very quiet it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so so these better these battery electric buses have been it's it's, it's a kind of a conversation so people want to do it but i was at the people being um, like transportation authorities, but it's not really known how well it's going to help them, right? So they, they play with pilot projects, they buy a couple, uh, actually 240, uh, $264 million was actually granted recently by the federal government to transportation authorities around the nation to start these pilot bus programs. So they're, they're just starting to get out there. But this study was just released by the Union of Concerned Scientists. Now, if you go in there, they actually do a ton of different interesting studies about all sorts of things. These are scientists who uh, donate their time to look at a particular topic but the study was really comprehensive that's that's what makes this unique is a lot of people a lot of 
when they do studies on electric vehicles, electric buses, uh, they just compare, well, a diesel bus emits a lot and the electric bus doesn't but they don't take into account where the electric bus got its electricity. Right. <laughs> right. right. So, it's not so a very fair that's, comparison, that's, that's, huh? That's, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I, absolutely not. Um, so what they did is they actually went all over the, all over the nation, um, compared where the generating facilities were, uh, how, how much they're, they're actually burning to generate a certain amount of electricity that turned it into a miles per gallon kind of uh, metric. And then they, could, then they could legitimately compare diesel buses versus electric transport. Now, the conversation goes, well, if you, you're just burning it somewhere else, um, it doesn't really help, right? Actually, that's not really the case. Uh, because you get these economies of scale always, we talk about economies of scale a lot. Because you're doing all your generation in a central place, you're getting better efficiency out of what you're burning, even if you're still burning it. Sure, and right. they found, the av on average, the electric battery buses are two and a half times cleaner hmm. than your comparative diesel bus now there are a couple caveats life cycle. This. really 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 depends well it really really depends on where you are um where was my note here i had a, I had a wonderful note on this there's somewhere in illinois i think yeah it was illinois uh it's really only about one and a 1.4 times better uh, i can imagine why but if you're but if yeah, but if you're out in uh, like on the West Coast where there's this preponderance of solar and wind and hydro and stuff, it can be as much as 7.7 .7 times cleaner to right. run an electric bus versus right. the diesel. Right. So that's that's just fun. That's just phenomenal. Um, and it's it's kind of nice it's because if you look at the map that they present, the heavily populated East Coast and West Coast regions are generally where the you get the better numbers. Right. So so across across the Midwest is kind of difficult to achieve good good parity, but um, but on the East and West Coast it's just fantastic. You know that's it's then it's a. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, was just, I know you're going to get into probably the recycling of the batteries as well, right? Is that your next stage of the conversation? Yep. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, just one thing, just to add on to that, you know, one thing we're talking about the life cycle comparison, okay? And that's very mm -hmm. relevant. And of course, you can see these different, you know, regions in terms of you know what that uh, multiple is. I get that. We're going to talk about the, the the battery, how you end of life that battery as well in a moment. But but one thing that's also I think pretty, it's not being taken into consideration here is the the quality of life component, right? So if, like if you're if you're driving up next to a big bus and it's belching out you know diesel uh you know oh, I then i mean that is that's in your town where you're walking in the environment that you live in as opposed to coming out of a power plant somewhere you know in the middle of nowhere right so well these big city metro areas also they really focus on uh bike lanes and yeah. doing renewable energy mm -hmm. type projects well if you're ever in a bike lane behind one of those diesel guzzling buses that's not a fun experience it's unreal. It's unreal. i was driving the other day and, I, and, and you know i drove up next to a bus or a truck or something you know large of the same kind of you know uh, thing and i and i looked at it and i thought to myself man that those days are numbered mm, yeah. this thing that we're tolerant this this roll your window up you know change your ac to just you know inside of the car yeah, thing yeah. that that's people are going to say to us you know 20 years ago how on earth could you be <laughs> sucking yeah. on that much carbon monoxide <laughs> right, and, while right. you're driving around town you know so there's that to me is just something that's really um a big piece of this conversation that actually this article doesn't touch yeah no it's, that's 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 one um i don't want to do that I, I actually don't use the air conditioning in my car either and so it's really frustrating when i bump into one of those <laughs> roll, where, up all the, roll up all the wind roll up all the windows i didn't mean to interrupt um, you where's this where's this recycling of the battery conversation okay okay so that, that's that's the biggest kind of gap that they have right now is that generally speaking the usable optimal life for these batteries is about eight to ten years that's the reason why you see a lot of manufacturers car manufacturers the same thing their battery is capped at eight years um and and you really can't have a bus that like goes out and can't quite make its loop <laughs> you know right. so if so, so as, as the battery capacity goes down they really need to be replaced uh so that's going to add a bit of cost to overall life the interesting thing is that i found out the um the average useful life of a regular diesel bus is actually only 12 years so the gap isn't isn't quite as big as you think. I mean, you figure they, all these old beat up buses. Well, they're not they're not actually that old. They're just abused. Right. You know, <laughs> you you also, if, if we can all, if we can all take care of our buses, it like, <laughs> you also have the <laughs> nice uh, to ride on. You know, when you when you make those comparisons of electric vehicles to, to conventional cars, there's um, mm -hmm. you know there's simpler systems, and there's this discussion that they could last a lot longer when that battery is replaced too. That battery cost, energy storage cost, in all likelihood, eight ten years down the road are going to be a lot cheaper, right? Yeah. And, yep. and 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 
eliminating a lot of the additional maintenance costs of traditional cars, I think that's going to be a really important component of this conversation too. And the you know the buses are going to be the same type of thing. I mean, you, you know, you're not changing, uh, you know, you're not changing the oil, right? You're right. Not, you're not changing. Yep. There's a lot less pieces to these to these uh, cars, you know. And uh, and I would suspect the buses are going to be in the same space. So probably we'll get good. I, my guess is we're going to get great longevity out of these things. Yeah, yeah. Total total cost of ownership is one of the things we, we I like to talk about, and and that's going to be a big piece. The, the issue is right now nobody's running a full fleet of these things, mm. and so we don't quite know what those num what those metrics are really going to look like, what those numbers look like. Let's get, uh, let's get yeah, Maui in the news right. again and, and yeah. be the first one to do it, mm -hmm. huh? <laughs> yeah, I'd like <laughs> to see what happens. Have an entire... I'd like to see what happens, too, yeah. after that 10 to 12-year period mm. and what the capability of batteries after that period is because you could basically swap out a battery, possibly. The actual physical uh, layout of the bus is still yeah. intact and just have an upgrade to your, basically, engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's exciting. I, I tell you what, we should make this a, 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 a mayoral uh, candidate issue. Yeah. Bring this out to Cochran yeah. and Guzman <laughs> and, uh, and Victorino I, and I the rest of them. I thought we were in a political show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see that uh, that, that uh, one of our one of our uh, former, uh, current or former uh, salesmen was running for mayor? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Heck of a job there, man. That's yeah. really interesting. Okay, so, um, uh, yeah, so let's jump into the next article. Which one do you want to go to, Jay? Okay. Uh, report projects, uh, DOE coal nuclear bailout costs could top uh, $34 billion. This is in reference to um, the Trump administration's support of coal and nuclear. They, they continually um, talk it up as, as in the interest of national security, we must have coal and nuclear power running consistently. Uh, and they're actually planning on bailing out plants that are not making money, right? Um, the issue is they really haven't given too many details, right? Um, the, so the Brattle Group took everything they could possibly find. The Brattle Group was actually a, um, a, a um, what is it? They're employed by people to do specific studies. Um, and I think it was Bloomberg that actually contracted them out <laughs> to do this one. But um, it can range. The coal folks said it was going to be about $4 billion. Brattle Group's report says it could be as much as $34 billion because of what could possibly happen. They're talking about like a domino effect. Uh, if you start bailing out one coal power plant, right, because they're not making any money, mm -hmm. well, all of a sudden they're okay. But then because that plant is okay, they can they lower the cost of energy, and then the plant down the street can't make money and so it would just be this this domino effect across the entire nation where where plants would be forced to close out early uh, and then they would either need to be added to that bailout list and get paid out or they would have to close completely and that would just be a disaster for for national energy thoughts <laughs> uh, yeah, um, my thoughts are kind of simple on this topic. It seems <laughs> For pretty renewable straightforward. Energy talk show. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it, not a surprise that there would be, you know, some think tank would come up with some very small, well, very small, uh, a smaller figure. It says, you know, Brattle's cost estimates dwarf the four billion calculated by American Coalition for Clean Coal Electricity, right? Well, so, of course, coal says, yeah, it's not going to no, be that much. Yeah, four billion, and you know, is a drop in the bucket, and it turns out that it's thirty-five billion, and next year it'll be. 70 billion so you know it's just um not taking into consideration the full costs in order to it looks like politics right that's what it looks like to me. Abs abs absolutely but i mean it's really concerning that that we would bail them out at all i mean if, if okay so somebody invested in a coal power plant in 2018 it doesn't seem like a good bet why would i want to bail them out at all <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, I guess on yeah. Who knows? Maybe that's a uh, you know jobs or you know it's like I said, it's the political side of this conversation. A, right? a different side of the equation is you don't see the government bailing out a solar farm anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't see that happening. <laughs> right, right. solar farm. Yeah. Well, that, okay, solar well there, 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 we, there we go. In the interest of national security, you need to bail, bail out all energy-producing facilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can see it. I guess the only thing I can really see is if it's a transitional period where you can't really just shut down a coal plant overnight without some type of replacement that can sure. handle the power that's needed. So uh, there's a certain aspect where you want to make sure the transition is smooth and you're not just going from 100% 
in one direction to the other. So, uh, but definitely for a renewable energy talk show, I feel like uh, this is not our <laughs> forte or we're yeah. something that we're yeah. not really going to support as much. I mean, really, at the end of the article, it just says, according to the report, these complications may entirely undercut the administration's aims. So it's not yeah. un insubstantial. Unsubstantial was the word, right? It's not. It's, it's relevant to what's yeah. happening here. All right, yeah, you want to jump over to back to solar? I hate talking about nuclear and coal. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about Clean coal. <laughs> just, yep. Put some soap on it. Sonova. Who's Sonova? Gosh. Yeah, Sonova's a, uh, a, a, a funding company similar to like uh, Solar City or similar to, uh, you know, Sunrun. It's a company that's been around for quite a while. They're based out of Texas, I think. I've met these guys a couple of times when they were poking around Hawaii trying to, you know, kind of get into this market. They made some, you know, they've been basically out there selling solar leases uh, for, you know, I'm not sure how long. I'm going to say probably they've been around for about five, ten years. And, uh, you know, they're, but they're pretty big. They, they, they've, they've been able to be in the top, I think, five uh, for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, I don't know where they're ranked at the moment, if it says it in this article, but effectively um, these guys have, you know, they've made some shifts to their, their offering uh, and they brought in, you know, storage to their, uh, the, to their leases or their PPAs. And they brought in 25-year uh, performance guarantees and O&M guarantees. So they've been oh, trying to kind of, yeah, yeah they've, been, they've been kind of working to differentiate themselves from the other big boys out there. And it'd be really interesting to follow up with these guys and see, you know, where they're at in terms of the ranking of the overall volume of business. They're moving back into the Arizona market, it said in this particular article here. This one is out of Green Tech Media. It says, Sonova returns to the Arizona solar market, this time with batteries. And I think their program is called Sun SunSafe, right? SunSafe is the program. Mm -hmm. So uh, they made, you know, they, they, they did, um, they, they had some experience in Puerto Rico, which was kind of a bit of a cautionary tale. They put all this solar in. They didn't put batteries in. The uh, hurricanes come in and knock them all out, right? And now they're going, okay, well, we're going to work with batteries as much as we can. And so they're going into the Arizona space, and they're saying we're going to do it there, you know? So that seems to be what's going right. on. Yeah, I think this is okay. what's going to be our battery discussion today. It's are you doing it at the residential level, or should we do it, be doing it at the commercial or utility level? Sure. And that's where what our first topic was on in China, helping out with uh, – Dubai and storage capacity on that gigawatt scale mm. uh, for the utility side, but you can also have that option on the residential side as well. And so it depends on probably each county of which one makes sense. And yeah, and no, this is interesting. You, so we're talking about you're, you're saying Neil that you know is is it better to integrate storage at the at the utility s scale level, the commercial level, the residential level, or some mix right. of the three? And I think at the end of the day, it's some mix because mm -hmm. you know. You, yeah, I think I think the mix is absolutely really important. You're talking about um, I mean, batteries at the utility scale are there to do a very different thing. Mm -hmm. um, the small battery on Molokai we actually learned was really just there to give them time to spin up another generator. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're you're talking about a true, uh, like a time shift battery storage system, it's there to collect solar and renewable energy when it's available because these are transient, transitory resources. You know that they, they don't they don't they're not there all the time, uh, deterministic. So you have to collect the energy and then put it somewhere, and then use it when you don't have it. So like overnight, for in the case of solar, um, doing very different things. Mm, mm, yeah, so so that utility side scale uh, integration has a certain purpose, uh, a couple different purposes. Mm -hmm. You know, in the case of yep. home batteries, you know, you provide that autonomy, right? So you have the opportunity for right. energy security. You have the opportunity for, you know, it, there's also that sense. You know, people like the idea of being able to kind of ah, move a little bit away from the grid and have a little bit more uh, energy autonomy, can kind of choose some of the things they want to do with their homes. And people like choice. People like, the, yeah. so that's that there's an opportunity. I think that's one of the reasons why people tend to uh, gravitate towards uh, yeah i think a lot home, of people like the fact that they can kind of create their own power plant for their home yeah that's a pretty mm -hmm. neat capability mm -hmm. and if you can power your own home on your own and pay for the system that's pretty that's a pretty neat technology that we have yeah today, it's exciting so. it's exciting stuff so yeah. so sonova's going to be out there selling uh these uh, did it say leases or ppas in this article jay i can't i'm not sure what they're selling these days or if they've moved uh, into also ownership it, it, it's it seems to be a lease uh lease system but not um, not customer owned um they are now offering customer owned uh services yeah which is um, everyone seems not, to be doing which is something that. They, they were not doing before yeah uh so that's that's a big shift as well I mean, it just seems like they're just changing their their model completely to kind of 
take advantage of the current state of the market. It'll be interesting to watch how Sonova, Sunrun, and uh, Solar City rank up this mm -hmm. year. You know, they're talking about a contraction yeah. in the solar market to some degree uh, right now. Um, I'm seeing in other articles, you know, for you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, if uh, I know Solar City, they just put out some. It looked like a pretty uh, just a puff of hot air. Uh, Tesla came out and said, "Oh, we're going to ramp up the solar uh, business again." Mm -hmm. You know, and but we didn't. See, we almost didn't. We, we had an article on that. But we didn't bring it up because we didn't see anything substantial. It sounded just like they were just kind of going yeah, to squawk yeah, a little just, bit. Yeah, uh, just Tesla talking. If they'd yeah. like to come on the show, we're certainly willing to entertain them. <laughs> yeah, we've been looking for that Tesla show for a while. And then uh, Sonova, but they, they've been a major player out there, so who knows? Maybe they could uh, be on the top of that list, and for you know, and we'll see what that rank order. We'll keep our eyes open to see. Well, it seems the, the offering here looks really, really nice, at least as far as if you live in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the, but they're in lots of places as well around the country. I don't know if they're actually doing the, the storage out there, but they have uh, one of the things, the different things is that they work with different storage uh, vendors. So Tesla, LG Chem, a uh, variety of other uh, technologies. At one point, I remember these guys out here like five years ago, I was talking to them, and they were talking about continuing to work with lead acid, and I thought it was bonkers, mm. frankly. You know, even then, you know, <laughs> I was yeah. like, it's not, that's just not where it's going to go, gentlemen. So, um, but in any yeah. case, they, you know, it's, they're in the news and they're doing some important things, so we'll have to follow them closely, okay? So, where are we at next, man? We got a little bit of Hawaii stuff going on, which is good. Hawaii news. Uh, the Hawaii Solar Energy Association announces its endorsement of uh, David Ige's mm. uh, re-election campaign. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of the you know the Hawaii-based you know solar group, and they're they're the ones that kind of speak for the industry, I suppose, right? And you have um, what's the guy, president's name, uh, Will. Geese, I don't know how to pronounce that exactly, the executive director, and they're basically mm -hmm. saying we're going to get behind uh, Governor Ige, and because he's given such support to the industry uh, over the years, and I think it probably has to do with that last article we saw, Jay, about uh, LNG versus, uh, you know, not really supporting LNG, right? Not <laughs> versus not LNG yeah. versus not, yes, exactly. LNG versus uh, not. Yeah, I mean, it was Brian, Brian Gold, uh, the Hawaii uh, State Energy Association's uh, board president, so we're, we're excited to continue working with his administration, provide greater customer choice and clean energy options. Uh, it, it's it's of note that Ige has been kind of really, really influential in continuing this effort to enact the 100% renewables by 2045 goal. Uh, so that's that's specifically why they targeted. Nice, I nice. Believe. Well, I guess we know uh, who to vote for. So there you go. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, if you're, if you're Back toward politics. renewable energy, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that's, right. So did that pretty much wrap it up? I think it did, right? That's, that's news for the day. Let's do our commercials, and we'll be right back to talk about why you want or may not want a battery. Aloha, and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Batter Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. 
Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Okay, so there we go, and uh, we got our wonderful sponsors there, you know, keeping the solar coaster doing its thing, keeping us on the tracks. Any other metaphors you want to use? <laughs> no. Keeping us rolling, I like, <laughs> I like rolling. that. The sponsors, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> we really guys. do appreciate thanks, being here. Yeah, it's been a, quite an adventure, and uh, definitely couldn't have done it without y'all. So we're going to dig into, uh, you know, probably, in, in, in my view, one of the most relevant conversations uh, about solar today, uh, which is... Mm batteries, which is energy storage, integrating energy storage to an existing solar system, getting uh, the couple of different ways you can do that. Is it relevant? How do I make these decisions? What are the different battery types? What are the costs? Things of that nature. Also, you know, um, uh, getting solar now out here, at least in Hawaii, is based primarily on batteries for the residential space. And then, you know, what does that mean for me, right? And these, uh, these self-supply systems, for example. A lot of different programs out there, a lot of things to learn. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. We did, uh, Jay, how do you want to handle this, man? Well, let's start right from the beginning. I mean, we've had um, solar available in the state for a while. There was a bit of a downturn a couple of years ago as, as NEM kind of went away. Uh, NEM was the net energy metering program where you would basically export energy to the grid uh, for the same rate as you would have bought it from the utility for. So it was kind of it was a net wash uh, back and forth. And if you sized your system right, you basically only pay your connection charge. But of course, there was no storage locally on site. When the grid went down, your solar went off, and you still you still get nothing out of it. Uh, and that's done for safety's sake. So when they're out there actually working on the lines, you're not trying to export a whole bunch of power and, and hurting utility workers. Sure. Um, so so that's that's the reasoning for all of that. Uh, what, what's come along, back, back then there really wasn't a whole lot of battery technology. I mean, if you had batteries in your house, it was because you were off-grid. And I know... <clears throat> Solar Anthony can talk about this a bit more. It's, it's, it's a semi semi common thing. <laughs> yeah, out it's, there. Yeah, and the yeah. big uh, on the Big Island, there's a lot of off grid projects. Um, that's kind of how I started off um, over in Pahoa, where the uh, lava's going crazy right now. Is that there was a couple people out there that were kind of you know wanting to be into uh, you know have battery backup, but they wanted to also export to the grid. So way back, mm -hmm. you know, 2014, 2015, um, there was a couple systems that was able to give you battery backup and export to the grid, too. And, um, you know, I kind of made a name for myself on the Big Island selling those systems early off. So, Yeah, I'm dealing nice. with some off-grid even here as well. Uh, it just depends on the location, sun reading, um, if the utility is already connected there. If mm -hmm. not, there's a cost to mm -hmm. putting electrical connection in a meter at your location. And we're at the point now where the technology is there where you can balance the two costs. Which one makes more sense? Should sure. I put in a meter and then I have a monthly payment? Or what if I go off grid? What's in, the capabilities? In, buy a whole bunch of telephone poles. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that actually, yeah, right. once, you're, once you're stringing poles uh, out any significant distance, that, um, that, cost bent, that, that cost comparison starts to go in the favor of solar pretty quickly. Right. It doesn't take a lot of distance right. to do that. And then also, um, you know, as opposed to 20, 30 years ago, when your power and energy storage capabilities and longevity of these off-grid systems was pretty modest. Mm -hmm. You had to make some major kind of, yeah. you know, um, concessions to your lifestyle. Uh, nowadays, you know, we've seen it. We got edited over there with Graham Hill and the mm -hmm. Blue Ion system in Haiku. And that, what was that house called again? So I forget the name of the house. Uh, Life Edited Maui, I Life think. Life Edited Maui, yeah. the Lem. They yeah, call it the Lem, Lem, Lem right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's got, um, I think, like, four flex power outbacks yep. and, you know, like 20 or 30 kilowatts of continuous power, something crazy yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. and a bunch of uh, it's, blue It's ion. a big number for a little house with <laughs> yeah. a lot of battery storage. I mean, he's, yeah. he's he can run out and party out there for weeks and Which is, not really care. It seems like the purpose <laughs> of the house. Right. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, like showing that it's very possible to just do an off grid, off grid house and then live a very, 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 I mean, a very luxurious lifestyle really at the end right. of the day. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful yeah. uh, thing. So, yeah. okay. So that's, that's an example of off grid. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, but traditionally those off-grid systems, if you're talking 20, 30 years ago, they were old battery technology. You basically needed um, an entire closet full of lead-acid, essentially, car batteries, right, all stacked up to, to kind of give you enough energy just to get by. So that's 
kind of where that technology has really has really shifted now. It's now it's a small box you you mount on your wall. You know, and just to um, just to and, add and the, into that for a moment, Jay, if I may. You know, right now I'm mm -hmm. getting requests from some of those um, earlier uh, off-grid systems. A good friend of ours out in Ohana, uh, we're just uh, in Kipahulu actually. Uh, he has a system. It's a pretty small PV system, but he wants to change out his batteries to uh, lithium. And we talked about Simplify as an option. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it, it can be a little challenging integrating this new technology. Sometimes you have to swap out the inverters. Sometimes you have a you know a voltage. That, you know, you want to go up to 48 volts. You got to use whole set of new inverters and charge controllers. So it's, he actually ended up in a situation where he's like, "How do I do this? How do I make that step up to the uh, to the better uh, storage technology?" And it's not always that easy to just simply integrate it. Right. It yeah. Right. And also okay. dealing with off grid is also what type of quality life do you want? Because. I mean, everyone was off-grid 150, 200 years ago. <laughs> so it's more just in the 70s, yeah, it was off-grid just based on capabilities. You have a couple of light bulbs screwed in or something along those lines. But a lot of people now when they're talking off-grid, they want the same quality of life that they would have if they're connected to the sure. grid. So yeah, sure. and that technology is there, but it's more not as easy as uh, every every system is a little dif different and custom yeah. so and then Jay I know we're going to move into things that are a little bit more you know common for people but like off grid is kind of feeling far between and so we're, you know yep. more of these grid um, grid interactive uh, systems where you're connected to the grid and you have storage and solar we're going to be talking a lot more about that you know moving forward yeah. Okay. So anyway, coming back to it, so you have this battery, and whether it's old school off grid or new grid, how does the battery work? It's basically out there. It collects energy when you have it available. Now you could. Have, there are people that have had windmills, right? Um, I've seen them. Seen them around. I think a lot of them have actually fallen by the wayside. I, there's still one you can see from my subdivision. <laughs> it's out there spinning. Oh, yeah. uh, but for the most part, for the most part these days, it's it's solar. So you would collect energy during the day, and that's when you charge your battery. Um, so you're, you're doing that same kind of time shifting with energy use. Uh, if you turned on your refrigerator during the day or you turn on your TV during the day, generally speaking, it would run from solar. You would pull, pull the energy from your solar panels, uh, not from the battery. So the battery would charge slower, uh, but it's still charging and you wouldn't use that energy during the day. Once it comes down to nighttime, your battery would take over that load. So when you turn on your TV in the evening to kick on the Netflix, all of a sudden you're pulling battery, pulling energy from the battery as opposed to pulling it from the grid, whether you have grid or not. If you're off grid, obviously you're only pulling from the battery. Uh, and then if the battery gets to a point where it's too low, then it would kind of route you to, so, so they're intelligent systems where it would route you to the grid power as opposed to. Uh, but it's there to let you use your own energy as opposed to pulling from the grid as as much as like a net metering system would right yeah so it's kind of it, it kind of speaks to the, the whole conversation of batteries these days speaks to this shift in uh, utility programs I mean that really is what mm -hmm. it's all about because in the past with with NEM net metering and even CGS and you know to some degree you know you NEM was really straightforward you would use uh, you use your energy just as you usually would you didn't have to worry about power you didn't have to worry about meaning how much devices you're running at a given moment you had to worry about when you were using your devices you just uh, you know sized kilowatt hours in kilowatt hours out called it a day now we're you know post NEM world right here in Hawaii and a lot of places around the country are starting to entertain this as well and so now energy storage becomes important they're man it's managing the the energy and the power right at a given moment but you're still connected to the grids you have that luxury of the grid right so um, right. yeah I mean that's the kind of thing that we're talking about when does that make sense that's kind of the big question why should I get a and, battery some people call up and just and, say hey and, I want a battery I'm like well why I'm like I don't know I heard I should get a battery because <laughs> they, they believe so much in solar that they're like well the batteries are the new thing what is it right so there are a couple different reasons right Jay? Those are your early adopters. I mean, the first conversation really comes down to how much the battery costs, right? I mean, how much am I going to have to pay for this thing, and what do I get for my money? Um, batteries can range from anywhere from a few thousand up to many thousands, uh, depending on what you want to do. And that comes back to that quality of life question. Do you just want to be able to run your refrigerator in an, in an emergency for a while? Or do you want literally the party house to run indefinitely mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a big it's a big different conversation um, how much you're willing to to, to spend on that uh, it also really that comes down to sizing right and and I went back and I looked at a bunch of different capacities on these on these batteries um, the Tesla Powerwall 2 which is one everybody loves to talk about but no one can actually buy uh, is is 13.5 kilowatt hours what does that mean yeah um, anybody right I, I'm actually reading a spec sheet it says 13.2 is that incorrect Jay that's 13.5. Uh, 
unless they changed it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, let's say it's uh, 13.5 for sake of argument here. Um, so, sure. well, I mean, you know, a kilowatt, um, that's the amount of energy that you have um, to fully discharge from that battery. Uh, and uh, with, you know, 100%, just it's a, 100% of the energy you can get out of that is 13.5 kilowatt hours, right? So what does that mean mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, of, of, of uh, equipment that you use? If you have, there's a, there's a couple of examples of this, but, you know, if you have like a four kilowatt um, air conditioning system, you know, a big honking air conditioning mm -hmm. system, you have one 13.5 kilowatt hour battery, then you can service that, you know, you can get about three hours of usage out of that, right? Yep. Three times four <coughs> is 12, so just three and change. And then, you know, if, if, we're, if it were running at that full four kilowatts that entire time, you get about three hours of usage out of it. So that gives you a sense of what a, a battery can do for a given appliance. Now, that's a pretty, that's a very powerful appliance that sucks a lot of energy, right? right. And a lot of things right. are much, much smaller than that, you know, but, uh, you know, like uh, some electronic devices are, are hundreds of watts, not thousands of watts, right? right? So, um, and, and you and, and these batteries too, you can stack them up. A lot of the times you can add multiples together and you can get more energy storage, right? So then there are a lot of different batteries out there too. A good range to look at is um, your electric bill. You are charged in kilowatt hours, how many kilowatt hours you're using. And so a lot of times what people would want is Technically, you don't need a battery if you just can run off solar during the day, but that's impossible for most people. You have to shut your fridge off and everything along those lines. So if your solar, powers, solar panels can't power your entire home, then you need that battery as a usage at nighttime or even extra loads during the day. Um, I always say some people probably can live off a 20% to 25% storage capacity because you're not running your higher loads during the day, like a washer, a dryer, a dishwasher, different things along those lines. Um, that might work for some people. Some people's lifestyles are different. Maybe you want more around 40 to 50% storage capacity on okay we're gonna have to we're gonna have to unpack this one here because I, I know what you're talking about yeah. but I think that it's a it's a pretty big conversation right, right. so let's yeah. let's categorize this guys right so on, on the one hand we're talking about grid goes out I have power that's one thing mm -hmm. let's put that to the back burner right now yeah let's look at okay. I, I want solar today mm -hmm. and therefore I have I have a couple of options on things I can get uh, the most popular one would be a, what's called a consumer self-supply program and that effectively allows you to put solar plus you know the technology and batteries into uh, in your home and stay connected to the grid, and that's what you're talking about, right? right okay. Right. And so the, the 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 point that Neil brought up is how much storage do I need to manage my daily energy usage, right? And what I think was important, the key point that you were talking about there was, okay, if I have a um, 30 kilowatt hour a, a day daily habit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it a habit. Right, that's a good way. <laughs> right? I use uh, <laughs> yeah. 30 kilowatt hours a day of energy. And, okay, so then I go in, I put in a solar system to produce 30 kilowatt hours. Great. Okay, am I good? No, because we still now we're not shifting that back and forth to the grid anymore. Right. So we got to manage that 30 kilowatt hours, right? And you can make it. You're, when are you going to make that energy is kind of the first part of that question. Well, you're going to make it from 10 to 3 in the peak yeah. sun hours, right? right? So you're going to make those 30 kilowatt hours from 10 to 3 on your average day, assuming it's not weird or cloudy or voggy or any of the weird stuff, your average day. Um, some days be higher, some days be lower. And then you take that 30 kilowatt hours, their average, and then you use some of that right away and during the day, right? And the thing is, most people, or a lot of people anyway, are not necessarily home using energy during that time. People tend to use a lot of energy, or your average family maybe, tends to use a lot of energy in the morning and the evening, right? right. So the, the battery uh, conversation here is, how do we take that energy from that peak time when it's being created by our solar panels, and how do we shoulder it, is the word we like to use, shoulders, mm -hmm. right? Push it out to the sides, right? And the percentage that Neil was talking about was, uh, is, is based on that 30 kilowatt hours. How much of that percentage-wise do I have to bring to the evening and the morning? Right. right? And um, your average person that is um, your average person that is uh, not at home uh, very much may have a higher percentage. Uh, but you're, but maybe in Maui we get a lot of retirees. We got a lot of you know various people living in their homes and running air conditioning throughout the day. And some of the big loads they are using during the day. So maybe they have a lower percentage. Right. So that 30 kilowatt hours, you don't need 100% uh, storage, right, for shouldering. Right. Um, you might need only you know 10 kilowatt hours. Maybe a 30, 33 percent, right? Right. Maybe it's only you know even a little bit less, right? Um, or maybe you know what? I'm never home in the day and I need it all at night. Okay, great. And you know that's going to be expensive 
expensive thing to do because you want to try to take 100% of your energy and shoulder 100% of it, right? right? So if you're doing that, well, you also get another benefit. And you go, well, hey, I got a boatload of energy from when the grid goes down, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so that, I think that helps the conversation a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's more it, it, important people realize how their energy is used during the day is important and how you want to limit what your battery is because these batteries it's still a newer technology it's still expensive and solar panels are a lot less expensive so if you could utilize your solar panels that's going to save you a lot of money and this goes into gaming it and optimizing it john borland style which right. is one of our shows anybody remember that the the episode numbers so people can check it out i can't i just texted someone the other day actually i was sitting it's, down it's with in them. the 30s but it's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> go so back great. and listen to it he basically took a simple seven kilowatt tabuchi two battery system which is about 15 kilowatt hours now of storage and was able to take a $400 bill and go to zero grid buy, right? right? And he was able to do that by pushing all of those, instead of pushing the energy into the evening and the and, and the morning, he was pushing his loads into the daytime energy curve as much as possible and gaming it through a couple of right. other mechanisms. But he's like a super, super uh, achiever with that kind of thing, not your average, mm-hmm. your average user, right? Okay, Jay, so where do we want to go with this from here? Um, so, so back to what we were talking about is how much the, how much they cost and what do you get for that cost? What's what's the cheapest kind of battery? Just just to say, okay, I don't really want to do everything. You talk about critical loads. That's one conversation, right? Mm. Um, critical loads panels are as an install. It's a one-time cost. You would have to segment out like your refrigerator. Refrigerator is something we would consider critical, right? Uh, but critical is just what's 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 important to you, right? Well, okay, so but yeah, but let's talk. Let's say that we're right now we're talking about we're going back to the conversation of grid outage and yep. powering critical loads during an outage. Is that right? That's the conversation we're having at the moment, right? Well, I mean, if if you have a battery with a critical loads panel, if if the grid goes out, your critical loads are supported. But even if you, I mean, if you have a critical loads panel and that's the only one the battery services. Even when the grid is running, if you're not, if you're running with something that's not critical, like your TV is not on the critical loads panel, that power comes from the grid, correct? I'm not sure I understand the question, actually. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. No, your, your, t, your TV is wired to your regular power panel, so that power comes from the grid. No, it comes the battery, from the battery. The battery. The battery is only powering stuff that's from the critical loads panel. So that would be your refrigerator and such. No, it actually is powered from the PV and the battery as well because your PV is able to go to the rest of the loads as well, and it's all going through the one inverter. The, P, the, PV, the PV is, but I'm yeah. talking in the evening. You no, in the evening, you, the like battery said, I... is as well. Yeah, so mm. yeah, we gotta, we got to kind of unpack this again, right? So it's like if we're, th- yeah. if we're thinking, um, if, the, if the question is um, <clears throat> what, for, in the case of grid outages, I mean, you have to kind of restate the question, okay. right? So yeah. if we're talking about pricing, for energy mm-hmm. storage, integration to yep. net metering systems, right? Uh, that means let's let's look at that. Let's look at that box, okay? Rather than um, I'm getting a new solar system and what's the storage price for my uh, my, my overall system, okay? Because it's kind of a completely different conversation. But if we look at just yep. I've got a NEM, like, and let's put it let's put it even a little more clearly. We just had that um, that thing happen um, with where is that article? Uh, in PV Magazine, where Hawaii opens existing solar installations to energy storage. So you got 60,000 Hawaiian homeowners. They all have PV, whether it's NEM or CGS or whatever, and they're going, hey, I want storage, right? Why do yeah, I want Yeah, that's me, and that's the reason why I want to have this conversation. Let's talk about that. Okay, that's a, bo- yeah. that's a boatload of business. And by the way, you know, from the, from, for the solar installers out there and for the, for the industry, which is uh, currently being uh, pegged as the industry with the biggest growth, uh, there's more growth in the solar industry, uh, uh, you know, I guess over the longer term, than um, a lot of other industries throughout, you know, out here. Um, there's a couple articles to that effect that have been out in the last couple of days. But, um, you know, this uh, th- this this new uh, bill or this new um, opportunity here is a huge one. 60,000 existing systems are able to get batteries integrated without, supposedly without ITR. ITR stands for Initial Technical Review from mm-hmm. the Utility. So presumably we'll get to a place where we understand from the utility and the county and everybody that we can just go and, and sell them a battery and it should be a pretty fast thing that's a lifeline for this industry it's wonderful right so let's talk about that and you know okay. so what does it cost to integrate a battery to an existing NAM? well what what are, what are we doing assuming we're not putting in any more pv right. we're not putting in any more solar right um, and there is a way to do that by the way so we can look at that separately too uh we're just putting in a battery 
uh, a inverter in many cases because these systems are, um, you already have a PV inverter and you have AC, alternating current coming out of that PV inverter for the grid and for our devices. So you're gonna need an AC coupled solution most of the time unless you can swap that inverter out and do something really kind of special and you know it's, it's uh, maybe an easy one, right? Right, because the inverters that were installed yeah, originally were not made for battery storage, so right. the newer ones are the ones that are capable of managing the storage for the battery. Right, and there's a couple of different systems out there that we can definitely, we got four minutes, gentlemen, just so you know. So there's mm -hmm. a couple of different systems out there that we can look at for this, right? One is um, uh, Tabuchi's uh, is gonna have AC coupled capability shortly. Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla has AC coupled capability. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Sonin, Sonin battery has AC coupled capability. And Blue Ion, also with a, with a, a flex outback flex power has AC coupled capability. Pika says they will as well, I think. Pika as well. <laughs> okay, well, that's kind of to be determined to or be to be confirmed, yeah. I suppose, right? And some of the prices, so I asked um, our designer, I asked to try to get a sense for what those prices might be. Now, once again, how much storage are you integrating? What type of system are you choosing? Prices can fluctuate considerably, right? But what I was able to do, and this may or may not be helpful, is to get a, a price per storage watt installed, right? Mm -hmm. So when you, and when you look at that price, you're looking at, um, not just the battery, you're looking at the battery, you're looking at the new inverter, you're looking at the installation, you're looking at the critical loads panel, right? That's gonna be generally the, the nature of it. Yeah, okay. And so we're looking at, what I, what I just got was the Tesla was in the $900 uh, per storage watt level. And I'm just gonna say, I just got this a moment ago, so we'll have to confirm this stuff. Tabuchi in the $950 per watts per storage watt level. Uh, LG, and I, I can't imagine how LG could be integrated unless you swapped out that inverter. Right. Uh, but it, also comparable to Tabuchi. Sonin battery, now the, the interesting thing about Tesla, Tabuchi, and LG is that they're all similar chemistries, right? I, I, something, I, and I don't know the precise chemistry, but probably lithium cobalt manganese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a certain price, that type of chemistry, a certain longevity, a certain warranty, right? And uh, Sonin battery, however, and blue ion, these are different types of chemistries. They're lithium iron phosphate, we've talked about that over the, the, uh, over the, the episodes, and that is a more expensive technology. So Sonin actually is pegged at about 20 $2,200 per watt installed. Yeah. Uh, $2,200 per storage watt installed. Mm -hmm. And I assume Blue Ion might be a little bit north of that because you're dealing with those uh, outback uh, inverters plus plus the uh, Sony lithium iron phosphate. So that gives you a sense, at least, you know, relative costs to integrate batteries for different technologies. And of course, the amount of storage that you choose and the complexity of your install will give you the actual project price. And that I don't know. <laughs> I simply don't know that. And a lot of people. It, it depends, because depending on where your house is, how long your runs are, I mean, how long the guys have to be crawling through the ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. Right. <laughs> so the chemistry you choose, obviously, is a pretty relevant thing. And, yeah, it um, seems like. And then, you know, you can, um, uh, we're going to see, I think one that's going to be very cost competitive, and that must be why he's bringing up LG, yeah, because we have the, uh, the SMA uh, uh, partnership with LG. So yeah. SMA is a relatively inexpensive inverter, and then LG is a good costed battery, good cost of battery, and they have a, a timeline over 2018 where they're supposed to be able to offer AC coupled integration with that technology. So that could be a real, uh, a, a really strong player in this new space, right? So at least we got those numbers out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. geez. <laughs> to wait till the very end of the show. Look at dollar per watt and also the life expectancy, because that's a big important factor, because some people just look at that dollar per watt, but it's also the life expectancy of it yeah, is a big yeah. factor as well. I don't know that I'd be able to answer that right now. That's but I next mean, show. They're all, yeah. they're all, <laughs> they're all approximately 10 years. That's what everybody's been Some been guarantee, though, a certain percentage there, so. after 10 years, so that's where it's important. And Blue Ion's 15. Ooh. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, and uh, just a conversation about battery longevity, what these warranties really are, and what life cycle, you know, what do you call it, the, um, the cycle ratings, like, you know, all that. So that's probably another show. We'll jump into that. I think the batteries are going to have to come in. Hey, folks, this has been the Solar Coaster Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. Sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Been a pretty good show here, gentlemen. A uh, lot more to talk about with batteries, but thanks so much to Solar Anthony, Neil Martin, Jason Verricard, and uh, Gary Forsberg. Thank you, Gary, uh, for uh, supporting the show. Okay. <laughs> hey, Aloha Friday, folks. Uh, you, have Josh. a wonderful weekend. Have a good <laughs> Ciao, guys. Aloha. Okay.